Isaiah 9, 2 and 6. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Gaddis family. Hallelujah. The Old Testament spoke exactly of what was going to happen long before it ever did. That was hundreds of years, the first scripture, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Then, of course, the story in Luke. Today, we're going to begin a four-part teaching called Christmas, a series celebrating Advent. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up in, in church. But in the churches that I grew up in, we were, December was full of like Christmas pageants, anybody? Uh, children's programs, all of these things. There wasn't a whole lot of preaching. And so I really, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know what Advent meant until much later in life. And it, the word just simply means to arrive, the arrival. And as, as believers, as Christians, we're, of course, talking about the arrival or the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And traditionally, there are four weeks in the Advent season. This is week one. And there's a different theme each week. And these are all represented by the lighting of the candles, which we'll have each week and somebody different reading scriptures every time. I love this. We're, gonna put, we're kind of pushing pause on our normal December activities. Is that all right? We're going we're gonna to just celebrate Advent together, the arrival of Jesus Christ. And the Advent themes are going to be on the screen. The first week is hope, and then j- peace, and then joy, and then love. And you have to keep coming because you have to find out why there's a different color candle, right, for week three. And uh, so you have to just keep coming if you want to find that out. We didn't run out of purple candles, okay? So those are the, th- the four themes. And Advent is a beautiful season of longing and anticipation. And these feelings are natural for Christians and non-Christians alike because we live in a broken world. So we're all longing for something, aren't we? Whether we're Christians or not. Perhaps it's the restoration of a broken relationship. Perhaps it's the opportunity for better employment, a nicer home, taking care of your family, whatever that 
might be. Maybe it's something about our kids, a longing for our kids to have a better relationship with the Lord or to come back to the Lord, follow him. Maybe it's a longing for companionship and true community. Often we're simply just longing for some relief from the pressures of this life. Can I get an amen from all of you on that? Come on. Yeah. It's amen or oh me, right? Some of us are just longing that Coach Satan, I mean Saban, would just lose a football game at least one time. No, no, no. Adrian, you've gone to the dark side. I couldn't resist, y'all. I'm sorry. And I was heavily going for Georgia last night. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm healed by in Jesus' name. <laughs> Isn't it ridiculous how into these things that we get? And I couldn't even sleep for like two hours. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm going to move on now. But if I passed the mic around this morning, I think probably we would get a different answer of, of longing from almost everyone here in, 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 in the microphone. But as we look at the themes on the screen, hope, peace, joy, and love, what if those, all of those things were actually active in our life, actually in operation in our life? It, I think, my, I believe, and I think you'd agree that all those other things would probably melt away with time. Of course they would. Many years ago, before World War II, um, there was a very wealthy man in Europe. And when I'm talking about wealthy, I'm talking about Scrooge McDuck wealthy. Okay? I'm talking about Bruce Wayne wealthy. Billionaire wealthy. All right? Anybody know who those? Okay, all right. Just making sure. All right. So really, really rich. Okay? This guy had a passion for masterpieces in art. And he had a son who was coming of age. His wife had already passed away. But he was instilling this in his son, and his son took up the passion with him. And because money was no object, they could travel. Wouldn't it be awesome to just travel anywhere? But they could travel and and go actually purchase some of these works of art. They had Picassos and Van Goghs and Monets. But World War II came, and the son was coming of age and got drafted. The man soon got a call that no parent wants to get, that the son had been killed in battle. And the story goes that he was rescuing his friend, another soldier. And that young man made it. He came to visit the father in his estate at Christmas. And this young man happened to also be an artist. And he, before the son had died, he drew a portrait of the son and took it to the father. It wasn't a work of art. I mean, it wasn't a masterpiece, but it was very good, and it meant the world to the father. Well, that spring, the father got sick and passed away. And so all of that art, millions of dollars worth, went up for auction. The art world went crazy. They knew this man. They knew what he had, or they had heard suspicions, and and, and they, they heard what he had. And so this huge crowd gathered for this auction, But they were very surprised at the first piece of art that came up for bid. It was the portrait of the son for $100. The auctioneer said, can I have $100? Start the bidding at $100, and it was quiet. Everybody was like, somebody said, that's not what we came for. That's not what we're here for. Move on to the good stuff. We don't want that. 
the auctioneer said, we're not moving anywhere. We're not going any farther with this until this has been purchased. So finally, somebody that knew the family, knew the son, the father, said, I'll, I'll, I'll bid $100 once, twice, sold for $100. The crowd went crazy. Somebody shouted, finally, we can move on with this thing and get to the good stuff. And the auctioneer is gathering his things. And he's walking off the stage. Somebody said, where are you going? We've got, I mean, you're just now getting started. And he said, no, you don't understand. It's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. The culmination of our longing, of hope, for peace, for joy, for love, it's all bound up in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the essence of Christmas. Look at the screen. Whoever receives the Son gets it all. Whoever receives the Son gets it all. The Gaddis family was kind enough to read the scripture and light the candle representing our first theme for today. And it's the foundation for everything. Hope. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. God, I pray right now that your word would become alive and active that it would become prophetic and powerful. And God, I am praying as I prayed all week that your hope would be infused in our lives this morning. Do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Many studies have been done about POWs when they return, prisoners of war, who make it home after going through torture, starvation, terrible conditions for months, even years and they compare the ones who made it home to the ones who, who died in prison. And almost every time it wasn't something physical, it was because the ones who made it home held on to hope. A hope that they would be rescued. A hope of seeing their loved ones again. A hope in the scriptures that they had memorized. Hope is powerful. With hope we can endure, listen, somebody needs to hear this. With hope we can endure almost anything in this life and still be able to move forward. Without it, we will wither up and die. Many of us have probably known an elderly couple who have been married all their lives practically, you know, 60 years, some even longer. And one of them gets sick passes away, and it's not two, three months later that the other one goes to. It happens often because the other one loses hope or loses the will to live. As Christians, we believe the greatest hope in the world, in the universe, is found only in Christ. Yes, we want to love our spouse. We want to be hopeful in them and on our kids and, and in our things, but it, 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 we can't find that kind of hope in a bank account. You can't find that kind of hope in a job position or a title. You can't even find that kind of hope in a spouse or in a child. As much as we love them, those people are going to disappoint us. We can only truly put our hope in Christ. So today, how does that translate? It makes for a nice Christmas sermon, doesn't it? Hope. 
what Christmas is all about. (laughs) But how does that really look? Sorry, that was bad. How does that really look? How does that translate to my life? Right? I have five suggestions on what I believe in my studies. This is not an exhaustive list, but what I've found in my studies and prayer of, of what hope really is. And then a suggestion, a suggestion. It's counterintuitive, I'll just tell you. A suggestion at the end of a way that we can receive hope this Christmas season, this Advent season. So what is Christian hope? I'm not even going to bother with any other. There's many other kinds of hope. But what is Christian hope? First, hope is knowing the character of God. Hope is knowing the character of God. Not a generic hope like God is love. God is good, God is merciful, God is omnipotent, because you have to say it like that. Those are all true, but if my life is falling apart, I'm not going to connect with words, somebody say amen. If you're trying to help somebody, if you're trying to counsel somebody whose life is falling apart, and you just say, well, God is love, and God is omnipotent, and he's omniscient, and he's got you in the palm of his, they're going to be like, that's not helpful. But you know what? I'm not going to back up from what I said. Hope is knowing the character of God, but the character of God is not a statement. The character of God is not an idea or a philosophy. It is a person. And true hope comes in a relationship and knowing that person. And we all know who that person is. The advent of Christ gave us a living picture of who God is. Paul says in Colossians 1.15, did you know this was in here? The Son is the image of the invisible God. The Son is the image, the picture of the invisible God. That is what we mean by the incarnation, not reincarnation. The incarnation, that word literally means in the flesh. In the flesh. God came to earth wrapped in a human body. My mom hates when I say this, but... Andy Stanley says, God in a bod. He's God in a bod. Sorry, Mom. She, anyway. The God of heaven, the God of heaven came to live among us that we might know and see what he is truly like. Just imagine if all we had was the Old Testament. Yikes. Jesus came to teach us. He came to show us how to live our life to the fullest, not by going after things for ourselves, not for serving ourselves, but serving and loving others. Look at the screen. The birth of Jesus put a face on God. (laughs) Got one amen out of that. That's all right. The birth of Jesus put a face on God. Have you ever thought about it that way? This is why we sing. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel, for he's God with us, revealed in us, his name is called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. 
Jesus was willing to leave the glory of heaven. I mean, we're all wanting to get there. And he was willing to leave. Do you know that no other religion can make that claim about their God? No other. There are thousands of other religions in this world. And no other religion can make the claim that their God came from heaven to earth, was willing to leave the throne in glory, to to take off and take off that, that kingdom and that robe of righteousness, to come down and put on this flesh and live a life like we have to live, be tempted like we are, but be completely and totally free of sin so that he could die as the perfect sacrifice for my sin. Come on, somebody. That is what it's all about. He was a friend of sinners and of failures. Thank God, because I was one, and I still have my days. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I know all y'all are perfect. It's fine. He showed love and compassion to the outcasts of the world. He healed the sick, and he raised the dead. He taught us not to use the value system of this world when putting worth on ourselves or others. He said the first will be Last and the last will be first. He turned the whole paradigm of this world on its head with the kingdom gospel. Jesus taught us that our value to the Father, listen, is more important than what anybody else says about us. Anybody ever watch the antique road show? Anybody? I've only seen, somebody really likes it. I've only seen the show a couple of times, but I think it's pretty much the same. Somebody finds something in a garage sale or whatever, they, they find it and, and they kind of know what to look for and, and they spend like 2 or $3, $5. They go get it evaluated and sometimes it comes back at thousands of dollars. Literally, one man's trash is another man's, like really, treasure. Crazy. Well, listen, God places a high value on people that the world would ignore. Because that's the kind of God he is. How do we know that? Because it's revealed over and over again in Jesus Christ throughout the Gospels. If he had not come in the flesh, come on somebody, we would not know that about him. Come on, our first point again. Hope is knowing the character of God. Hope is knowing the person of God. Secondly, hope is knowing our sins can be forgiven. Hope is knowing, I figured I'd get a few more amens on that one. Hope is knowing our sins can be forgiven. Think for a moment, the worst sin that you ever committed. There may be more than one or two to pop up in your mind. I'm going to move on from this really fast, I promise. Think of what it would be like to not have any hope of that sin or those sins ever being forgiven to always have them hanging over your head in shame and condemnation. That's terrible. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus did come. Jesus did live. He did die. He was raised again. And because of him, forgiveness is available. Ephesians 1, 7, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave Our sins, it's right there. And so now we can forgive others and we can forgive ourselves because we've experienced the love and forgiveness and freedom of Christ. And folks, that should bring hope to our life. Hope is knowing our sins can be forgiven. Third, hope is knowing that heaven is real. 
Hope is knowing that heaven is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not make-believe. It's not made up. It's not just a story. It's not just a poem or a song. It's a literal place. It's a place that is available to us because Jesus came. 1 Corinthians 15 says, and if our hope, everybody say hope. That's what we're talking about. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. In other words, we're living and believing a lie. That's what he's talking about. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Now, this is coming from a man who knew what he was talking about because he was once on a road to Damascus and he came in direct contact with this man, with this person in the flesh, and it changed him forevermore. He wasn't talking in metaphor, Gail. He wasn't talking in code. He knew what he was talking about. He was talking about a real resurrection, a literal heaven. All right. Honesty check. Oh, I skipped a a verse. Let's read this. This is encouraging. 2 Peter 3.13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Now, honesty check. We're in church. You ready? Come on now. Are you ready? All right. How many of you snoop for your gifts before Christmas Day? I see a hand. I see one honest person in this whole place. Now, teenagers, be careful. Don't raise your hand. You'll give yourselves away. Come on, we've all looked in the closet. Why do parents use the closet? Come on, folks, we've got to come up with a better place. It's always in the closet, maybe under the bed. Anybody use the attic? I better not ask that. You'll give your spot away. The basement, whatever. We've all done it. Or at the very least, when the present is wrapped and put under the tree, we all go over there when nobody's looking and be like, It's one of the most fun things to do. And guess what it is? Well, my grandmother, not a teenager, my grandmother, she's been gone for many years, but this is hilarious. We came in on her, surprised her, and she was wearing her sweater, tags hanging, after it had been wrapped. We come in and she's wearing the sweater. She had taken a razor blade and cut carefully the tape and was going to rewrap it when she was done pre-enjoying it. Now, that takes the cake right there. Now, that's my grandmother. My mother, who is her daughter, very different view of Christmas. If she ever found out that I found out what I was getting, it was going back to the store, and she sucked the hope out of Christmas. I love you, Mom. It's true. True story. I learned pretty quickly, though. (laughs) Well, at this point, folks, our heavenly gift is still wrapped. Everybody look at me. If you know Jesus, your name is on the package. The Word of God says that our name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And that we can joyfully anticipate heaven one day because of Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. Hallelujah. So hope is knowing heaven is real. Fourth, hope is knowing that Jesus is coming again. Hope is knowing Jesus is coming again. If Jesus had not come, 
Think about it. There would be no revelation, no book of revelation. There would be no gospels. There would be no writings of Paul or Peter or John. As a matter of fact, more than almost half of your Bible wouldn't even be here. There would be no hope of a resurrection. There would be no hope of a returning Savior if Jesus had not come, but he did. Come on. And over and over again, the New Testament promises that he will come again. Come on. If he fulfilled all of those prophecies in the Old Testament, don't you know he's just waiting? Just, Dad, are you ready yet? Are you ready? He's just waiting. He's, he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on. Wait, wait, what? No. He's ready to come back and fulfill all the other prophecies, coming back and taking his children home. He's coming again. And hope is knowing that he's coming again. Can I take just a second and encourage us with some scripture and infuse some hope into this place? With some, is that all right with y'all? John 14, 3 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Say that with me. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up. Somebody say caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thank you, Paul. I think I will. Revelations 21.3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Give him the biggest hand clap of praise. Come on. Are you ready? You know what I say to that? Even so, Lord, come quickly. And the only reason he hasn't is because we've still got work to do. But just as the Jewish people in the Old Testament were longing, longing, and waiting for the Messiah to come the first time, We can anchor ourselves to Christ. We can anchor ourselves to his promises as we wait on him to come again. But I want you to hear something. All eyes up here. This is very important. Our waiting cannot be marked by inactivity. Our waiting cannot be eyes to the sky. Think about it like a waiter in a restaurant. A waiter in a restaurant wouldn't last very long if they sat down and did nothing. A waiter, get this, waits on tables. That's deep. Well, as we wait on Jesus to return, we are to be waiting on him. We are to be serving him. We are to be serving each other. We serve, we love, we worship, we grow. We live until he comes again. Our waiting cannot be marked by inactivity. Hope is knowing that Jesus is coming again. And finally, hope is knowing what to say to those who need it. Hope is knowing what to say or even do to those who need hope. 1 Peter 3.15 says, If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, you need to be ready. Always be ready to explain it. 
Always be ready to explain it. Folks, the hope that you have for heaven, most of us in here are believers. Not everyone, but most of us in here follow Jesus. If the hope that you have, and let me say it this way, the hope that you have in Jesus, the hope that you have for his return, the hope that you have for heaven cannot just be about you. That hope has to overflow and flow out and inspire hope in someone else. Why? Because God can use the hope that flows from you to change their life. God can use the hope that flows from you to draw people to himself. Paul says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope, that's what we're talking about, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that, everybody say so that, There's a reason so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I promise you this. I promise you this. If you are going through hell on earth today, if everything is crumbling around you, your life seems to be falling apart or your loved ones or whatever it may be, and yet you know Jesus and yet you are still standing and hoping in him, people are going to want to know what you have. Listen, listen. Because everybody goes through junk. Your coworkers, your friends at school, people that you know, everybody goes through junk and trials and disappointments and confusion and pain. That is not unusual at all. But what is unusual is someone who goes through it that remains standing firmly on the foundation of their faith and continues to put their hope in Christ and people are one to one in on what you have. And God will open the door of evangelism in your life to be able to share your story and share the hope that you have. And as you do, I promise your faith will be strengthened as well. Hallelujah. 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 Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that three things are going to remain after this life. Three things are going to go into eternity. It's interesting because first. Corinthians 12, he talks about the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues, prophecy, healing. There's nine of them. He's like, those are great, and we need them right now. But all of those will fade away. You won't need them. But in heaven, or in the next life, you only need three things. Faith, hope, and love. And we know that love trumps everything. But I submit this to you. Look at the screen. Hope is the foundation of our faith and the fuel that keeps our love burning bright. That's how it works. That's how it works together. Hope is the foundation of our faith, faith, hope, and love, and the fuel that keeps our love that we need burning bright. Those three things work together to spread the gospel. That's God's plan. But without hope, Listen, I want you to hear me. We don't have the endurance to finish the race. We need it, folks. We need it. I'm almost done. And when it comes to the people around us, this is powerful. The Lord really added this to the message this week. There's people surrounding you that are full of goodness and giftings and things that God wants to use to do in them and through them, but they'll never see the light of day because they don't have hope. Who's to say 
that those giftings and those wonderful things that are in them, if you let your hope overflow to them and they receive that, that those things won't be unlocked and unleashed onto the world. Hope is powerful. Hope is the catalyst for great things. Hope is the beginning of true faith. Hope is the foundation for everything we do. Hope is what Christmas is all about. Maybe you're here this morning. I'm done. Just listen. And you're like, I'm empty. I really wish I could give. But I need the hope. I need to be filled with hope this morning. Let me take this two different ways. If you know Jesus and you're in that position, this is very counterintuitive, like I told you at the beginning. But look at, look at the screen. One of the best ways to receive hope is to inspire it in someone else. That's the way the kingdom works. If you know Jesus, one of the best ways to receive hope is to inspire it in someone else. You're like, I don't have any. Yes, you do. The devil tells you you don't. You do. Even if it feels like minus 20, I promise you it's still there. Jesus still has you. He's still holding you. And even on, oh, somebody hear me, even on your worst day, your most confusing, painful day, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to bubble up in you and share the hope of Jesus with someone else, just watch what he does in your heart and watch the level of hope increase in your life. If you don't know Christ, if you're not following him, that won't work. Because first, you need to give your life to Jesus and receive the ultimate hope of his forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. Would you bow your heads with me, please?